20, I'm in case emergency. Ain't no cap in my rock. Really, I know it's the truck. More profit mean extra. Emma White out full of pressure. That cereal milk smoking right. But that Obama right, so special. Kansas City, I'm a chief. Shout out to K5 on this one. Country thinking I was hushing. I always had it on me. Booming like OJ the Juice. Till a nigga told on me. Run down this relentless. Ain't no love, we ain't friendly. If she want me on him. No the law, she get the business. No the law, still the model. Empire. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is another episode of the Birds of a Feather podcast with your boy Q City. This is the Hawks edition. We're going to look into last week's four games, look ahead to next week's three, get a little betting breakdown, and then we're going to have some city talk at the end. So come along with me and let's enjoy this ride. So this has been an extremely rough week. Last week we won one and three, and overall our record's sitting at four and five. Like I've said plenty of times, I consider this a 50-win team, so weeks like this are just straight-up unacceptable. We started off early with the loss in Philly. We were out of this game early. They pushed us in the first quarter and scored almost 40 points. Trey Young was damn near a non-factor, 13-10-2. Reddish was our leading scorer with 16 points off the bench. Yeah, 16 points in 20 minutes, so it's not bad. But the whole point of this game was defensively, they outshined us. Their highest scorer was Tobias Harris with 22 points and Bede only had 19, didn't really do much. Matisse Thibel had two of the most disrespectful blocks I think I've ever seen someone have. Philly's defensive intensity far outweighed ours. And you see their chemistry is on point without Ben. We shot 38% to their 54% from the field. And it's not like they killed us with threes because we shot 38%, they shot 32. This was literally points in the paint, we're going to kill you. 60 to 36. Three threes will get you only so far. And shooting 37% from three isn't terrible. But when you allow 60 points in the paint, you can't compete. You can't. And it's, it's not like their two centers, like Drummond or Embiid, had dominant presence in the paint. It was their wings getting in the paint, causing problems. Nobody really showed up this game. I would love to call it a mulligan, but we continued this throughout the week. Shooting 54% also really, really helps. Because, like, rebounding is 49 to 37 No, we had 20 offensive rebounds. We just couldn't stop them from scoring, especially down low. So next, we faced the Wizards. It was a close game throughout. It was at home. It was 118 to 111. Beal only had 24 points. And then the the former Lakers front court that killed us last week with 67 points only had 42 Trey showed out and defensively we locked in even though they scored 111 we locked in defensively especially late and kept them to two very low scoring quarters by NBA standards about 24 25 point quarters Trey Young 26 6 and 4 a a beautiful stat line for him I love him around 23 to 27 points six plus assists and I, I don't really care about rebounds for him But those are the type of games 
consistently from Trey that we see end in wins. Bogey had 16 points, Reddish 15 off the bench, and this was the first game we got Lou Will back. And I'm, I'll discuss him a little bit more later. So percentage points throughout the game, super close, 48 to 46 from the field, 33 to 39 uh, from three. So like we were really close to them all game. It was really just when it came to nut cutting time, we were able to push past. Also, really, really cool point. This game, both teams were perfect from the line. 16 to 16, 29 to 29. It rarely happens, and it was it was really cool to see. Now, this next game is one I consider just a big one, a good measuring stick for where we were at, what we wanted to be as a team. The Nets game on Wednesday. It was a loss, 117 to 108. I really felt like we played well throughout, except that the only thing that killed us, they closed the quarters on crazy runs. One was like 17 to 4, and another one was like 22 to 6. Just just killed us. End of the first, end of the third. And it, it took us out the game. It took us out the game. We were fighting and clawing to get back in the fourth. But like even though it ended at nine points, there was a point in the fourth where we were down 17. It wasn't it wasn't super close. Uh this was the first game. We didn't see DeLon Wright. Um former Hawks on the on the Nets, Millsap and Bimbry scored 10 points. So, you know, didn't come back to bite us real too much. Cam was a complete no-show. He had he had two points and I don't think any other stats. Herder kind of helped pick it up from the bench scoring 16, but the the real point of this game was KD's a monster. 32 5 and 7. And once he gets rolling, there's really nothing you could do to stop him. The Dre played great defense against him and almost matched him at point totals. He had a bit of an anomalous game shooting from three. I think he went six for six. Uh, he had 26 points, 18 on three. So you're looking at in the other floor of the offense, he had eight points. Um, you expect that number to come down toward his season average, which is around his uh, shooting average, which is around 35%. So you're looking at him making two of those. And that's averaging around 14 points a game. And that's usually what he is, about 14 to 16 points a game. But I love this little scoring outburst. And even though KD scored 32, if you watch the game, Dre played really good defense. KD's just KD. Harden was amazing. 16, 11, and 4. And, like, that stat line isn't bananas, but when you watch him, he had complete control of the offense. So even when his shot wasn't falling, he was, oh, he was killing bogey in the pick and roll. Anytime he had Trey on him, he drove past him. And they, they did a great job hiding Trey. He had almost had a triple-double, 21, 10, and 9. Uh, I feel like he played really well. I would have loved to see a bit more scoring. His scoring slump is... Well, his scoring percentages right now is is very, very noticeable. We are missing a good part of his offense. Um, we shot 37% from three. They shot 46. And that, that was the big head turner. Patty Mills coming off the bench scoring 14 points, like almost exclusively from threes. If you take away uh, Dre six for six, we shot an abysmal percent from three. And it was spearheaded by Trey and Reddish. So... It, it was it was kind of disheartening to see it not go as well as you want it to go. 
But I like the fact that for a good portion of the game, we kept it close, kept it interesting. Then you got tonight's game. Jazz lost 116-98. to This fourth quarter that they had was huge. They blew us out the water in the fourth quarter. Clarkson had 30 points. Uh, their bogey had 23. And Mitchell didn't even play tonight. Dre, he looked good again, and I was really surprised to see him carry over uh, his performance from the Nets game, especially on a back-to-back. If we can get some consistency from him, that would be super nice. Trey had another 21-7-4, and and it was another no-show for Cam. He's going through a slump right now. They shot 50% from the field, and it's just like the Philly game. You allow over 50%, you're not going to be able to compete with the team. You're just not. They shot 42% from three. We shot 25 and took a lot of them. They killed us on the glass and almost doubled our assist total. The fact that this was only an 18-point game is a testament to the fact that we did play some solid defense. But when that shot's not falling, it, it is hard. It is hard to keep it keep it going. I didn't ever feel like we were truly in this game outside of, you know, halftime. It was it was pretty close. They came out the third quarter, separated a little. And like I said, the the fourth quarter, they blew us out the water. We had nothing. We had nothing left. And I'm going to attribute that to a back to back. But we've got back to backs coming up, so we can't make it a habit. We're four and five right now. And looking forward, the road doesn't get any easier. So we've got to shore up not only defensively, but we've got to look to get some offense going. My takeaways for the week, Dre is coming on and I really like it. He's showing himself. He's feeling good. You can see him gaining confidence in not only his shot, but his defense fueling his offense. And that those are always the best players, those two way players in which their defensive intensity leads to easy buckets and that pushes them to be better on the offensive end. Lou might not be the backup point guard that we need. And I bagged a little on right, but I felt like him being in the game was pretty solid. Lou and Gallinari are both sieves defensively. And then when you look at somebody like Zhang, who stretches the floor but kills us on defense, having a lineup of him, Gallinari, and Lou on the floor at the same time allows teams to go on super runs. And Coach Nate has to, has to look at his lineups and recognize, not even plus minus, just look at the court and see drive after drive to say, okay, I can't play these guys together. It hurts because your main major offensive weapon, Trey, you can't really put on like you can't really take him off the floor and he doesn't give you too too much defensively although i have seen him get in front of some drives and pick up defensively a bit more this season which is interesting and i feel like the team follows its best player but cam cam only seems to engage on defense when his offensive shot is falling dre really locks in defensively and bogey locks in defensively as well Herter is a big body. I don't feel like athletically he can keep up with a lot of players on the defensive end. But most of the defenses just want to. And you can tell out there he has the want to. Uh, The last takeaway, Cam Cam is inconsistent. And I said it 
earlier. I've said it since the first podcast. He's a green light shooter, but he's streaky, which means he gets on the floor. He leads the second unit. You're going to love you're going to love the fact that he's willing to take any shot. And during the Nets broadcast, they said at one point, oh, Cam is playing himself into a starting role. I don't think he can truly be a starter, especially next to someone like Trey. I feel like he has to either command the offense. No, that's not either. He has to command the offense. So it either needs to be with the first unit or the second unit. He he's not a take turns type of distributor type guy. And Herder dominates off the catch and shoot, which is why you can play them together. But in terms of letting him dribble the ball up, giving it to Trey, him taking off just off-brand mid-range shots and jacking up threes not only is it an inefficient style of basketball but it's not one that's going to be conducive to your best offensive player being on the floor overall i was very disappointed by this week i I thought we were going to do much better i i saw at least a two and two type week one and three uh we we just we got to do better like i said i see this as a 51 team vegas opened at 42 it pushed to 44 after Dallas. Uh, it's pretty much stayed there. I took the over. I expect it to be over. There's no reason for us to be 4-5 and five right now. We've lost some games we shouldn't have. So we, we just got to step it up in the coming weeks. All right. So looking at the three games for next week, we're going on a West Coast trip. We got at Phoenix. They're 4-3 and three right now. They've got some allegation stuff going on, so might be a little distracting. Either way, CP3, he's crazy. Bridges is defensively what we want Dre to be and a a knockdown corner three. Those Villanova cats, you know, they come in, they're very defensively and offensively sound. They they make good pros, very much a glue guy type thing, and he's, he's he's really good on that team. Book is a bucket. Everyone knows it. You know, he he goes out there. Yeah, he may take some ill-advised shots, but he's going to rain them down. Next, we got the Warriors. We're playing there. Steph, Steph's going to Steph. You know what I'm saying? He's going to make some shots. He's who Trey is compared to. Trey ain't on that level yet, just to be completely honest. Um, They're finding their groove. You know, defensively, they're always going to be a bit hard. I definitely see pool you know maxing out if we put hunter on pool i'm not really sure i think they'll slide bogey over to steph and i see that being a big night but regardless i think that we can compete with them i see them as a team on our level you know they're about five six in the west and i consider us three four five in the east so it's it's a decent comparison i feel like that'll be our measuring stick game this week to kind of see where we are And then lastly, we get a rematch against the Jazz. I think Mitchell will play in that one. Uh, It's the second night of a back-to-back. We'll be traveling from San Fran to Utah. Hopefully, we don't run out of of gas again. Because I feel like that's what really happened tonight, is we completely just ran out of gas. So, you know, we're in the mile high. We're, no, 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 Denver's mile high. Denver's going to be the next game. But, you know, you're on travel time. You're in Utah. Hopefully, we got enough in the tank to keep it pushing after that Warriors game. All right, now on to my favorite portion, the betting portion. This week was 
<laughs> just like my football picks, kind of rough. Uh, almost broke even, about. So I lost Philly. I took Atlanta and the over. 0-2 on that one. Uh, it was a push for the Wizards. I took the Hawks, but I took the under. So 1-1. One one. I took the Nets and I took the over. So that was a 2-0. and And then I took the Hawks and I took the over with the Jazz. So that was... In 0-2, I'm 3-5 this week and 6-8 of eight overall for the season. Once again, I put out my picks every day before the Hawks game at QCity11 on Twitter. And then QCity11 Instagram is where you can message me about, you know, like getting on the show or just following my betting advice on that one. I'm going to start live streaming games soon as well. On to my football picks, my prop bets for this week. So, Matt Ryan, 0.5 interceptions. I took the over. The Saints defense is rated super high. They are extremely aggressive. I see Matt Ryan throwing at least one interception. Not praying on his downfall, just being realistic. Mark Ingram, the second. 28 and a half rushing yards. Took the over. They're either starting Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. Either way, they're running the ball a lot. And Kamara's not a between-the-tackles type of guy. If this game is as close as I think it'll be, I see Ingram getting over 29 yards. Aluakon, 10 and a half tackles. I took the under. Now, even though I consistently think that they are going to run the ball, I can I see our line being able to stuff to stop them at the line with Grady Jarrett. And Deion Jones is the player that usually makes those in-space tackles. He's going to be on the field a lot, especially when they have Kamara on the field, because that is who he was drafted specifically to mirror. Or those type of, you know, running backs. And then the last one is Koo. One and a half field goals over. I took the over on that one strictly because I expect him to get more than two field goals this game. Atlanta's offense tends to stagnate around the 40-yard line. Ku has been automatic all year. He's only missed one. Yes, it was a costly one, but anything anything under 45 yards, he's knocking it. I expect us to get those points, so I'm definitely putting him as the over for one and a half field goals. So, just a quick repeat. Matt Ryan, 0.5 interceptions, over. Ingram, 28 and a half rushing yards, over. Aluakon, 10 and a half tackles, under. And Ku. One and a half field goals over. I make all my bets either prop, over, unders, or just straight games on the Sharping the Sharp app. It is what I consider one of the best apps. You know, they've got tons of information. You can look up, search the games. For me personally, I feel like it's a more inclusive app than, you know, like FanDuel or DraftKings or anything like that. That's why I use it. I love using it. So once again, follow me at QCity11 on Twitter so I can give out my betting advice, betting picks for the week. And I look forward to seeing you. All right. Now let's get to city talk. First things first. The only thing the city should be talking about is our world champion Atlanta Braves. And granted, they're not who I talk about on this podcast, but I love that they brought a championship to the city. They, you know, they're shutting schools down on Friday for the parade. And I think they should because it has been since 95. The Braves won a World Series title. 
I was two years old. I could barely remember that. I always thought that the Braves were the team of the 90s, team of the early 2000s. I think from 93 or 94 up until 08 or 09, they won the division every year consistently in the playoffs. They had like a little tanking splurge in the early 2010s, and they've come back with a vengeance. They We weren't supposed to win this year. No one thought or believed in us. 88 wins. They got it handled. So, chop on. Love you, Braves. Thank you for bringing the chip back to the city. And, you know, not to, not to be outdone, the United just won a couple years ago. And I believe Atlanta's becoming more of a soccer town, you know, especially with the influx of, you know, like different communities. A lot of Europeans, a lot of Africans, a lot of um, Asian Islanders, Pacific Hispanics love soccer. That is the global game. And so seeing them come migrate to Atlanta has blown up the popularity of Atlanta United. And so, like, their championship shouldn't be forgotten or pushed aside. We love y'all, too, you know. But, hey, chop on Braves, man. That's love y'all bringing one back to the city. So this topic, I was talking to a friend, a very knowledgeable sports head, love him. And one of the things that me and him both noticed and were talking about, they are playing football on the court. (laughs) Like a lot of people who talk about, you know, loving that 80s, 90s, early 2000s brand of basketball that, you know, extremely physical, uh, positive for post plays and, you know, very physical down low players. They are loving this style of basketball with the rule changes. A lot of those ticky-tack and jabroni fouls, those are gone. And you see players who are physically dominant really, truly allowed to be physically dominant. Now, I'm not just talking about post players. Defensive players are allowed to really stick their nose in on the perimeter and guard guys. And I think a lot of the rule changes have been geared to keeping the keeping the play going, not allowing a bunch of stoppage in play. But what I've seen that it's allowed people to do is truly play defense to really get back up into players. And of course, you know, we're not going to allow hand checking, but, you know, being able to crowd a defender, take away a space a bit. If you know that rip through foul, that's still there, but they are being super lenient in the amount of body they're letting players use. You see guys come into the hole and they usually do this lean in to try to, you know, attract or draw contact, and the refs are letting it slide. Obviously, the poster boy for being hurt by this is James Harden. But when I look at other players, specifically our own, Trey Young, he's adjusted pretty well to this, consistently scoring over 20 points, and granted, he has a super high usage rate. His shots are just not falling, but those are shots not falling from three. You look at him, his assist numbers are still up, He can play, even though he's really slight, he can play through contact. And you see him get in there and mix it up with these guys. I do think that there's a negative connotation surrounding him in general, which is why some plays, when you look at, very much should be fouls. He's not getting calls. And I would say the same for Harden, LeBron. I think they're really focusing on the stars, not letting them get calls. And it's emboldening some defenders. But for me, it has led to a more pleasing basketball watch. 
there's not 50 million free throws. You know what I'm saying? I think our highest total this week was against the Wizards were 29. And I can't I can't really say that any were just like ticky tack fouls. A lot of them were good hard fouls and not that you want anyone injured. That I feel is how you play basketball. Basketball is a physical sport. It is a physical sport. And it got to the point to where it was just a relay a relay race, a track team up and down the court. No, like slow down, play some offense, play some defense and I think it is a very pleasing brand of basketball for everyone to enjoy. And the numbers back it up. Viewership is up. And I think people really looking at the game and being like, okay, this is real NBA basketball. These are the highest level of players in the world playing at the highest level, offensively and defensively. It's good to watch. My next topic is kind of off subject off brand but i feel like it directly relates to what we're seeing on the court i was talking to an nfl scout he my question to him was how much of a role does age play within your scouting in football he was he was basically saying in football between the ages of 18 to 20 you see a good bit of growth and development within a player body-wise, like maturity-wise. Then from 21 to 24, you see a whole different level of growth and maturity as well as being able to get the mental aspect of the game down. So he was basically saying, if you've got a 23 or 24-year-old player because they're a senior or a super senior, you know, because of the COVID year, they're going to absolutely dominate the younger competition. And you've got to kind of separate how dominant they are from the actual plays that they're making, if that makes sense. The reason we got into this conversation, we were talking about Kenny Pickett and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had the most amazing season ever, obviously. He was 23 years old when he had said season, though. And so you're looking like, okay, he completely understands the game, but he was saying, hey, he's only two years in this offense. So he showed a huge acumen to get the offense, and then his mental and physical traits took over. All right, cool. Makes sense. Then we were talking about Kenny Pickett, and he was like, yeah, he's been in that offense for like four years. He should know the ins and outs. He's going to carve people up. So you wouldn't necessarily consider him a great or amazing prospect even though he's putting up you know massive numbers so switching that to basketball one of the people i've seen just light it up right now is chris duarte and davion mitchell both of these guys are older and watching them play i'm like oh man these are instant impact guys these are actually the type of guys I feel like a team like the Hawks should have made a move for or drafted because being slightly older, 22, 23, 24, they can immediately come into the game and earn a rotation spot, help on this team. Duarte is 24, Mitchell's 22. And it brought me back to the draft in which we selected Dre and Cam. 
I was a proponent for drafting Cam at four. And it was strictly because he was a one and dunner, whereas Dre had went to school for two years. Seeing them on the court and playing now, not only do I completely understand why you drafted Dre at four, but I did not take into the account the fact that Dre was only 19. A lot of the reclassifying that's done has you not understanding how old kids really are when they come out. Someone could be a one and dunner and be 20 years old and they're dominating 14, 15, 16 year olds that are in high school. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you're an 18 or 19 year old in high school, you're going to dominate 14, 15, 16 year olds. I graduated at 17. If I'm playing a 19 or 20 year old grown man at that age, regardless of how my body's built, you're you're going to be more physically dominant than me, especially if you have a bit of skill. Names that come to mind, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter. So looking at that, I've really started to think about how the AAU circuit not only simultaneously breaks down young future NBA bodies, because like you see the huge rise in drastic injuries from guys who make it to the league that are heavily into AAU ball. I would just stick to our guys. Cam Reddish had an Achilles injury and Dre had a back injury that kept him out pretty much all of last year. And it's because their bodies are so worn down by the time they get to the league. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., back injury. By the time they get to the league, their joints and bones have been grinded so much, especially during the developmental years, just to get noticed that it's hard for them to compete. It's hard for them to keep going. And so I just think that not only does age play a significant factor, but the amount of minutes that you're playing in the AAU circuit is a limiting factor to who you might be when you do reach your highest potential level, be it in the NBA, overseas, or just, you know, playing at a rec center. I think age goes significantly into drafting, and it also should be significant into where your team is. It's kind of why I didn't like the pick from the kid from Duke. He's a one dunner, 19 years old. He's not going to immediately help your team. And you see it. He hasn't seen the floor since after the Dallas game that was a blowout. Hopefully we get hopefully we get some veteran presence coming in. I understand this is lose last year, but I don't think you should play him anymore. I think significantly we need backup point guard help. And if you're not going to play right, make a move for somebody you will play. Okay, I was about done. And then I saw Trey's comments. And I just wanted to give just a little quick aside. Trey was talking about the regular season being a bit boring compared to the playoffs. Not only is that extremely insulting. But you have to win regular season games to get to the playoffs. Yes, the intensity of the playoffs, the intensity of games that as an athlete you feel actually matter is is amazing. The thrill of it. It, it feels great. But you got to fall in love with the grind. You got to fall in love with the business. And I think specifically he was trying to be a leader to his team. 
and talk about the guys who may have lost energy. Like I said, I felt like they lost their legs in the late third and fourth quarter of this game. So we might just be saying like, hey, guys, we need to generate our own energy. I'm going to try to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one and say that's what he was saying. Overall, I think I've seen lackluster performances from this group, and this kind of helps cement that. So it is something that we've really got to get locked in and under control moving forward. That's going to wrap it up for me, guys. Thank you all for all that you do. Subscribe. Please review, rate, subscribe um, to the podcast. I'll be up on YouTube at QCity11, QCity Media, um, QCity11 on Twitter, QCity11 on Instagram, and QCity Leo on TikTok. Follow me, you guys. Thank you. Appreciate all that you do. Interact with me. I'll read you out on the show, and it'll be a part of City Talk. Catch y'all. See you on Tuesday. Looking like I hit the lotto. I wanna hide it like my lotto. I'm on here and she on me I'm in the gut till tomorrow. I'm a robber for the narrows. Yo, little lows, I'ma put you on payroll. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yo. Papa Corona? She moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him and tell him. Grocery bag full of celery. Only believe had what you telling me. Keep a 20 on my case emergency. I wake up early every morning. Thank the Lord and get the bag. Hustle hard, get the cash. That first, then I'll show him my ass. Gotta go get him and tell him. Grocery bag full of celery. Only believe had what you telling me. Keep a 20 on my case emergency. My babies, that's who I grind for. That's who I do it for. Like the Navy. That's who I'm toting that iron for. Keep one in the head like a thought, nigga. Yeah, I fuck with Ty, he a boss, nigga. Put on that nick, I exhaust, nigga. Niggas cross me, so I cross, nigga. No scripture was lit last night. 500, what it cost, nigga. Shit was really legit last night. Had them hoes at the house, nigga. Instagram, Snapchat, Triller. What they say about Jay, he a go getter. Used to have a fat sex in the grove, nigga. Late nights, early morning, my dough, nigga. You smell that aroma? Design it, yeah, it's a party, yeah. Papa Corona, she moving the body, she working them heels. Gotta go get him mentality. Grocery bag full of celery. Only believe had what she telling me. Keep a 20 